0: Ephesians chapter 1. We've been looking at the cross, the subject of the cross, the past two or three weeks. And uh, we looked at uh, the cross and God the Father. Then we looked last Sunday at the cross and God the Son. Uh, This morning, let's look at the cross and God the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 and verse 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of tr- truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee or the uh, first or the down payment of our inheritance till we obtain full possession, all of this to the praise of his glory. Actually, this verse 14 Uh, concludes a three-part outline of Ephesians chapter 1. It's it's basically one sentence. In in the Greek text, there's there's no periods or uh, exclamation points or any interruptions. Paul just erupts in a one long uninterrupted sentence where he praises God. And in Ephesians Um, just for a quick outline of it here. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. He praises God the Father. Notice verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he praises him. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Verse 4 even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the word. Verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ. And, and then he says, to the praise of his glorious grace, verse 6. So he praises God the Father for his electing and choosing and predestining and planning Of our salvation. In other words, it originated in the very heart of God that He would save us and plan out the circumstances by which we would come to Christ. And then He praises God the Son. Verse 7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us. And it says, verse 11, in him we've obtained an inheritance. Um, So this goes through verse 12, and then it concludes in verse 12, the praise to the Son, by saying that we might be to the praise of his glory. Now notice that, because verse 3 to 6, give me that that outline up there. Verse 3 to 6, he praises the Father, and then concludes... By saying to, to the praise of his glory. That everything God did, this comes back to him in praises and glory. Verse three to six. Then he praises the Son, verses seven uh, to twelve. And at the end of verse twelve, he says to the praise of his glory. That's how I know where to cut these off at, because he concludes with that phrase to the praise of his glory. Now, in verse 13 and 14, he praises the Spirit. And he concludes verse 14 by saying, to the praise of his glory. Three times he says that. Once he says it about what God did in electing and predestinating us. Once he says it about what the Son of God did in that he redeemed us and poured out his his life for us. And then he says it about the Spirit in what the Spirit did. In other words, God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit all aligned themselves perfectly for eternity to ensure and secure our salvation. You are not an afterthought, nor is your conversion an afterthought. It originated with the genius of God, the Father, His ordaining and preordaining. It is earned and merited, the purchase of it, by God the Son. So we praise Him and His grace and glory. And then it is implemented and confirmed by the Spirit. That's what you have in verse 13 and 14. He says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit then comes and brings all that God planned and all that the Son of God purchased, and the Holy Spirit comes and implements it and applies it and communicates it. Makes it real. So, When we look at this, these two verses will be where we'll focus this morning. And I want to ask and answer three questions. The first question is when he says, you were sealed with the Spirit. What what is that seal? What does it mean to say you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, verse 13? Then the second question is, when are we sealed? Because the, I think the King James Version says, "When uh, after you believed, you were sealed. So when does the sealing take place? And the third question is, why are we sealed? And he gives it to you at the end of verse 14. So let's back up now. What is this seal? Um If God planned it and the Son of God purchased it on the cross, what does it mean to say the Holy Spirit now comes and seals the believer? And there are dozens of references in the Bible. I think I've looked at most of them to to get the idea here. But let me just give it to you in a single summary statement. What is the seal? When a king wanted to secure a package in transit so that there's no tampering with the package. He would take his signet ring, the king, with the king's seal on it, and he would stamp that package. That marked the package with a warning. Don't Mess with this. This is this has the king's impress upon it. It has his authority and all the resources of the king to back up the protection of that package. That's the idea. Couple of verses here. Esther chapter eight verse eight. He says, Now write another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews. It seems best to you. And seal it with the king's signet ring. For no document written in the king's name sealed with his ring can be revoked or reversed. Esther 8 and verse 8. That's sealed. Don't touch it. If it has been sealed, you cannot put anything in that or take anything out of that. You can't open that. Daniel chapter 6, verse 17. Remember when Daniel was put in the lion's den because he was faithful to prayer? They said, you can't pray. He prayed anyway. They put him in the lion's den. And here's what it says. Daniel chapter 6, verse 17. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the rings of his nobles so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Nothing can be changed. It's the king's seal. The decree is finished. It's gone forth. Irrevocable. Irrevocable irreversible now when it says in ephesians 1 that when you believed in jesus christ you were sealed with the holy spirit it has the idea of security i don't know how to get away from that i don't think i want to get away from it right we we need the security What's the hymn say? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. But the Holy Spirit so impresses upon us at the moment of our faith and conversion, at that moment we are sealed with the King's imprint so that it cannot be revoked. and I was looking at this word for seal, I realized that the Bible says that Satan can be sealed. Listen to Revelation 20, verse 2. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, threw him into the pit, shut it, and sealed it over him. Sealed it. And I thought to myself, because, see, I know myself, and I know my weaknesses, I know my vulnerabilities, I know my temptations, I know my failures, I know my history, I know my past. I'm afraid of myself. You ever get afraid of yourself? But here's what I thought. I mean, I actually got encouraged uh, as I was reading this and studying this. I thought, if, if God can seal a powerful enemy like Satan so they he can't get out and he really wants out. Can't he seal me so that I don't get out when I don't even want out? <laughs> I mean, Satan wants out, but he's sealed. Okay, I don't want out. I don't want to fall out. I don't want to fly away. I don't want to run from God. I don't want to fail. I don't want out. Well, then can't God seal me in Christ so that I am secure and so that my salvation is permanent? Can't he do that for me? I think he can. You say, well, that sounds like a Baptist sermon. Well, I don't know if it does or not. I ain't heard many of them lately, but I do know that that's what the text says, and I know that's what the word means. So you can do whatever you want to with it. But it looks to me like that when when God planned something out, and then the Son of God came and died and redeemed us, then the Holy Spirit came in and said, "Father, Son." I am here to do in total unity with the divine Godhead what you have planned and what you have purchased. I will now take and apply permanently and securely that which you have done, that which you have planned. And um, I understand that there's the problem of those people who profess faith in Christ and, and then they abandon that faith. I understand that. I, I've seen it plenty of times. I like what J. Vernon McGee... You ever listen? You ever heard him? I think he's with the Lord now, but I like what J. Vernon McGee said... He said, uh, quote, commenting on Luke 15, remember the son, the prodigal son left his father and went and and ended up in the pig pen, Jewish boy in the pig pen, feeding, eating out of the trough with pigs because he got so hungry after he left the father. J. Vernon McGee said, a son in the pig pen is still a son in the pig pen, not a pig. And sooner or later, he will come to himself and say, My father has a table spread. What am I doing eating from the trough of a pig? Now, when he, that's what it says in Luke 15, he came to himself. Now, when he came to himself, he didn't realize, wait, I'm a pig. No, he came to himself and realized wait, I'm a son. A son is still a son, even if he's a a son, can go and get in the pig pen. But a true son, because he has the identity and imprimatur of the father in his DNA, he cannot stay in the pig pen because he will wake up and he will come to and he will realize, I've got a father with a full table. Why am I here? I will arise and go to my father. (laughs) How many of y'all have backslid? I see all three of them. Stand up. Give your testimony. But, you know, the truth is, we've all backslid, haven't we? But we're here today. (laughs) Somewhere in that backslidden point, we said, I will arise, I'll go to my Father. That's how you know. Now, that's not how God knows. God already knows. He planned, chose, predestined. The Son knows because He redeems Listen to how the Son of God lined up the redeeming uh, purposes with the Father. John 6, uh, 38. I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all he gives me, I will lose none. That, That's encouraging to me. So, what is the seal? And I think, to be honest here with the text, uh, we're trying to define this word the, that it simply has to do with the security and the identity of the believer and the permanence of that work that has been impressed by the Spirit into their life. Now, when are we sealed? And I I just want to take a moment on this one. When are we sealed? He says in verse 13, now this is the English Standard Version, in him, that's the location in which we are sealed, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. of promise now, I think that it's the King James Version that says, after you believed, you were sealed. Most of the newer versions, though, put it, and I think correctly so, when you believed, you were sealed. And uh, one of the best uh, scholars that I know on this whole point, in fact, he comments on Ephesians one thirteen says that, the, that when you look at it here, notice he says, when you, when you heard, verse 13, you believed. In other words, the believing and the hearing were part of the same experience. You didn't hear one day and believe the next. No, you heard and you believed. And then he says, and you were sealed. That's part of the same experience. Grammatically, in the Greek text, there is no sequence or time period between the hearing, the believing, or the sealing. They all are one experience. So that this is grammatically in the Greek text. Uh, that's why most of your newer versions will translate it when you believe, when you heard, you believed and were sealed. All one experience. He uses that as an illustration or an example. Um, the way that the New Testament Greek will often put the uh, tenses, he says, uh, as something that's common in the Old, in the New Testament is uh, Jesus answered and said, and then he gives you what he said. But two things there. He answered and said. Now, are those actually two different experiences that he answered and then later on he said? No, he answered and said. That's one single experience. That's the same grammar, same construction that's used right here. Those who believed were sealed. Same moment, same experience. So I just wanted to put that before you because sometimes you do have people. I, I actually had a, a pastor take me out to lunch one day I thought what he called me up I thought what does he want to take me out to lunch for took me out and uh, he wanted I think he wanted me to get saved uh, because he knew I had believed in Jesus and had been baptized in water but he said what you don't have is the Holy Spirit wow I didn't know that He said, you need the Holy Spirit, you need the gift of tongues, you need the baptism of fire after that. There's about seven steps before you can actually know for sure you're saved. And I, evidently, had only taken a couple of them. (laughs) The main one being coming to Jesus. Not enough, according to this dear man. He's still my friend. But... um, we don't hang out much. <laughs> you know, he probably doesn't want to hang out with a lost man. <laughs> but there's always, you have to be careful about stretching out the process of salvation because you end up in works. You end up having to perform and, and having to take certain steps to get to heaven, to become God's child. And you, John chapter 1, to those who received him, to them, he gave the authority and the right to become the child of God. No steps with that. When they believed, they were sealed. All right. There's an illustration of a leopard, just want to give you this real quick, that I think shows us Leviticus 14, verses 10 to 18. You can read this later, but I just want to give it to you because it illustrates when the leper who typifies the sinner, pictures the sinner, come to the high priest and had been healed of leprosy, then the high priest would kill the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and put put a drop on his ear. You know what that symbolized? Cleansing of the hearing. Cleansing of the hearing. Then he'd put a drop on his right thumb, cleansing of the doing, all the bad deeds that you've done. Then he'd put a drop on his right big toe, cleansing of the going, thinking, doing, going, all cleansed by the blood. Then he would come back, the high priest, same experience on the first day of the week, by the way, when the man had been cleansed by the blood. He would, in that same experience, same day, same event, he would take the oil, put the oil on the right ear, anointing and the impress of the Spirit upon the hearing. Then he'd put it upon the thumb. The oil comes up on the thumb, just like the blood did. Then he'd put the oil upon the right toe. In other words, everywhere the blood cleansed, the Spirit blessed. The blood is the merit for the presence of the Spirit. That's the significance and the picture of the leper being cleansed by blood and oil. The oil always goes on the blood because the blood has earned it. In the same way, we are, we receive new life from the Holy Spirit and the seal of the Holy Spirit because of the blood of the lamb. All right, one final point. Why are we sealed? And he gives two reasons here. Look at verse 14. Why are we sealed? Well, number one, he says he's the guarantee of our inheritance till we acquire the full possession. The guarantee, the pledge, uh, the Greek word arabon, the the Greek word arabon is used in modern-day Greece for a wedding ring, for an engagement ring. The arabon. The Holy Spirit comes and gives us His presence as God's absolute pledge that everything He is and has is coming my way. That's what a wedding ring, that's what an engagement ring does, right? My, uh, my son just got engaged here you know, over Christmas. And when he put that ring on his fiancé's finger. He's saying, this will do for now, but all of my riches are coming your way. <laughs> and I hope you got a few riches coming back at me, so, you know, we'll, we'll do this. But that's, that's the idea. The Arabon, the pledge, the, it's, it's not just a symbol, it is an actual portion of, of my presence and wealth and resources. It is a part of what I'm going to give you. Then the second thing that he says, verse 14, he is the Arabon, the, the wedding ring, the engagement ring of our inheritance until we get the full possession of it. And then that last statement in verse 14, to the praise of his glory. The, the seal of the Holy Spirit not only gives us the guarantee or pledge of his full presence and glory, but it also glorifies God. Now, how does it do that? Well, you may be wondering why I've got uh, this uh, illustration here, this picture of Sully Sullenberger. Yeah, y'all remember this story? Uh, U.S. Airways Flight 1549 coming in to New York and geese hit the engines, wild geese flying in hit the engines and knocked out both engines. He couldn't make it to the airport, so he had to land his plane in the middle of January on the Hudson River. That's That's a picture of it. And before leaving the plane, he walked up and down the aisles to make sure no one was left behind. And he was heralded as a hero, which, yeah, if I was on that plane, I'd say, you my man. <laughs> Called Hero on the Hudson, listed second in Time Magazine's top 100 heroes of the year. New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg gave him the key to the city, got congratulatory phone calls from the president, or, ticker-tape or parades. I looked up. I looked him up on Facebook. He's on Facebook. You know, sometimes they'll have fans. You'll have a, like a band or something that'll have fans, and they'll have like 500 fans. You go, whoa, it's a lot of fans. You know how much Sully Skullenberger's fans are? He has five hundred and eighty-six thousand six hundred and forty-four fans. <laughs> Brad Winsel put it exactly right. He said, and she, Brad was on the plane. He's thirty-two years old, from Charlotte, North Carolina. He said, "He's the reason my wife has a husband. My daughters have a father." Now, the thing is, all who were given him were brought safely home. I don't think he would have been hailed as big a hero if he'd lost half of them. The fact that he lost none, that and he walked up, I'm got to make sure there's, that there's none left behind. See how he puts this here? This seal, verse 13, is the pledge, it is the guarantee of the inheritance till we get the fullness of it and it's for the praise of his glory. See, that's the point. When Jesus in in Luke 15 has a hundred sheep, they're asking him why he's going out and getting these sinners. And he says, if you have one out, don't the shepherd, doesn't the shepherd go get the one that's out? All that the Father has given me, Jesus said, I lose none. If I gave to my son thousand dollars to put in the bank for me, and he he comes back that afternoon, he says, Dad, got good news. I I was able to get three fourths of it there. I'd say, you better go back and find the other one-fourth. That's not a good job for me. When it's money, listen, aren't you more valuable than money? When Jesus begins, how? what is the assurance and the security that we have that Jesus is going to be successful? It is the seal of the Spirit. And the Spirit sees to it that every one of us who have truly believed are imprinted deeply to the extent that we will be preserved and protected in transit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've preached myself I think we can make it now. I don't have a lot of confidence in myself on my own. Matter of fact, I don't have a lot of confidence in you all (laughs) without God, without the redemption. See, you can no more make it to heaven without the seal of the Spirit than you could make without the redemption of the cross and the Son. The cross and God, the Spirit... It's the second half of the gospel. It's the full package. It is as necessary as the other sections. The work of the Father, the work of the Son, and the work of the Spirit. And someday, I fully expect to stand before the Heavenly Father, the Lamb of God, and I will glorify Him, and I will say something like, this. He's the reason my wife still has a husband and my children have a father. May he be praised and glorified to the praise of his glory. Amen.